Welcome to the At A Total Loss podcast, where lost moms candidly talk about stillbirth, baby loss, grief, survival, and all things in between. I'm Catherine. My first child, Brody, died at full term and was stillborn in January of 2022. I literally thought the sadness was going to kill me. And while trying to survive, I reached out to lost moms to connect with others who knew how I felt. It was these conversations that saved me, and to this day, they still do. We discuss our babies, life with grief. We even laugh, a lot actually. It is my hope that hearing our stories will help you realize that you are not alone in any of this, and maybe even serve as a guide to finding light in the dark. So get comfortable and grab some tissues as we discuss this crazy life after baby death that has left us all at a total loss. Hi, Catherine. Hi, babe. Sorry, I'm starting my video. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> it's like dark. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. How are you? Good. How are you? I just listened to your voice memo. So, and then I saw that you were joining. So I didn't answer back. Oh, okay. I just had to check on your heart today. Some days it's heavier than others, as you we both know. Yes. How are you doing? How's Wolfie doing? Oh my gosh, this is another layer, but he's wonderful. He's great. It's surreal. I will tell you that it's 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 not a quick transition. And you'll know what you'll know someday. And I want to dive into that if you're prepared to. And that beautiful, he's wonderful. It's 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 another layer of it's just an interesting level. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain. Um, Brody has been kind of like, I wouldn't say neglected, but like, that's just what happens with, if you have a living child and then have a second one. And, um, I'm really trying to get back to parenting him, but it's never going to be a hundred percent, which is so wild for me because you know, right now Rylan is everything. It's a hundred percent. But then later on, when you start to have living children, it's going to be, it's going to be less and it's so wild. So, right. Right. But yeah, but he's great. And, um, I'm a basket case, but that's okay. We're here doing your best. (laughs) How are you kind of figured out? Um, okay. I'm okay today. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Just take, just taking a moment at a time. What's going on with your TTC journey? So it's been four cycles of no success. And right now I'm in the two week waiting period. So it could go either way, but I'm holding on to hope. Um, But also, I don't know if I ever told you about this, but my husband, Matt, had testicular cancer before we even met each other. He had this. So this was way before Rylan. And he kind of, his mode was like, let's survive. Let's beat cancer's ass. So he mm-hmm. never really went to like a fertility clinic after to like, you know, assess the situation. Um, and we never really did our first year of marriage. We're like, let's just see what happens. And then we got pregnant with Rylan. Um, so still kind of holding on to that hope. Like we were able to get pregnant with Rylan easily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but who knows what life throws at you, you know? Um, but anyway, so we put in a referral into the fertility clinic. So I actually went, or we both went and saw them. It was, it was crazy. Actually, I put in the referral. They called me within a week and they were like, we can see you next week or November. Cause they had like a cancellation. And I was like, well, I'm taking it because oh, yeah, bro. I asked my OB about this. Cause we talked about it in the past as an option, but I just wasn't down that road yet. She was like, there's a long waiting list for it. 
So I was like, let's just do it now. You know, by the time fall rolls around, like we'll see what happens. So um, everything's looking fine now, but again, you don't know what life throws at you. So just try to control what I can control. Thank you. That's the only thing you can. And even then you'll find that you still never had it. Um, Five cycles was where I was finally like, yeah, this something's up because I think nobody has really done a deep dive into the, to the science of this, but grief, stress, anxiety, those things raise cortisol levels. Those things make you inflamed. I truly feel that it's a different story for some of us when we go to try again, there's so many other elements involved and the pressure You know, because it's like every negative, it's you're a little bit further from that living child in your arms that you so greatly want. And it's yeah. it's horrible. Um, you have done a good job putting on, you know, a beautiful smile and, a, and being super positive whenever I speak to you. Um, but I know that it's tough and I know that it's hard. I'm happy that you're having additional conversations. There's no, there's no such thing as too much information at this point. I mean, sometimes like when it comes to like loss, but right. having conversations with doctors to paint a certain picture for you, I think is super helpful. So I'm glad you guys are doing that and that yeah. you are on the same page because being on the same page with your partners is, is is tough sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, we were so ready for Rylan. We're still ready for a living baby. Like we have a whole nursery ready, just all the baby things, you know, but back to like the stress thing too. It's like, I'm really focusing on, you know, balancing my hormones and stuff. And it kind of is crazy because you notice in your cycle when you feel positive and when mm-hmm. you don't. And it, mm-hmm. it's so today's a decent day, but who knows I don't know. what tomorrow. Well, seriously, <laughs> I don't know about you, but like I didn't really truly understand my cycle after all these years until I started to track it until I started to be like, I feel kind of amazing today. Wait, I'm about to ovulate. Oh, okay. Or I feel like absolute shit to, you know, a week after whatever it was. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this is my cycle. This is, this is makes sense as to my entire life. So understanding it. No one teaches us this shit. No one teaches it. (laughs) You're telling me there's only six days a month that I can get pregnant. What has been going on? Uh, And that's, it's, it's so wild. And I wish there was better education on monitoring instead of, you know, just throwing us different methods of, of things and like birth controls. And I mean, I had IUIs and I, I don't even, I don't even know, but no, I now don't. I'm tracking yeah. and I'm like, Holy moly. I know. Yeah. Even your husband, I'm sure is like, you're ovulating, you're acting. Funny. Right. Oh, well now, now he is. Because yeah. it's now like, he is. <laughs> he's, he's now where I was like three months ago, you know, now you're right. starting to understand it a little bit right, better. Right. Well, I'm here if you ever need to have any questions. I I think, I think I was like, really, if this never happened to me, I'm not sure I would have entire, I would have been so open to additional medications to help with ovulation or even, you know, different things that they were offering up to kind of help me get pregnant and stay pregnant or even having conversations with reproductive specialists when on paper, there was nothing wrong. You know, it was kind of like this weird stigma of like, Oh, it's an IVF baby because I had, you know, it, all that crap. And at this yeah. point to this day, I, all my doctors were like, you don't need to do any of this. You are fine on paper. And I'm like, I don't care. Something's up. I don't feel yeah. normal. I'm not normal. So stop acting like I am and just give right. me some help. We get yeah. freaking tired of doing this, you know? Yes. And not only that, you have to go with your gut. So if your gut oh, yeah. is telling you, let's go down that 
route, like let's do it. And you know, what's wild is for us to say that is because like, I blamed my gut so much for the loss of Brody for his death. Like, why didn't I know? Why didn't I follow my gut for the little things that I had? And I know that's really hard for, it's easy for us to say now, follow our gut. So if anybody, if you're listening and you're like, well, shit, I didn't follow my gut. Neither did, neither did I. I, I, I didn't. And now I do. And now I trust it more than anything because your heart and your mind are going to do two totally different things. They're yeah. not, they're not ever really on the same page. And, and, and so if you follow your gut, that's the one, that's the only thing that really matters right now, because you can't deny what your gut is telling you. Even if it's kind of irrational, if your brain is like, shut up, you're stupid. You still have to do it because that yeah. to me is the only way to really kind of only direction that's worth following. Yeah. Absolutely. You felt that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, in the beginning I was blaming myself for Rylan until honestly, I started connecting with other lost moms and I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one, you know? And then you hear their stories and you're like, oh, wow. Like that's really similar to mine. And I shouldn't blame myself. It's not my fault. I did everything I could and what we could control, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And you've done a really great job of diving back into the lost community, which is really hard, but you turned your pain into purpose. And people really come at me sometimes when I say that. And let me clarify that. And you and I both know, I am not saying our babies died for us to have a purpose in life. I'm saying that some of us want to take our pain and put it towards something for good, to honor our babies, to help others. And you opened up your little shop, Shop Ryland James, which is absolutely precious. And you're, you're growing and you're doing so much because in the beginning, the only thing we can do is wear jewelry or t-shirts or something with our baby's names on it because they're not in our arms. It's the only thing we can really do. Exactly. So before we dive into your boutique and your, how awesome you are, because we, you and I have been talking. I wait, think, Catherine, since... I, I can't hear you. I don't know if it's me or. Uh-oh. Oh, wait, I hear you again. Okay. <laughs> One of us is malfunctioning. Well, that makes sense. Stop me if you, stop me if it ever does that again or something. Okay. I want to make sure you sound really good. So thank you for having the cords. Um, yeah. Okay, good. Before we go into how awesome you are, you and I started connected like right after Ryland died, I believe. I think you reached out and I remember sending you a voicemail and you were like, I'm not ready to send one back because I can't hear it come out of your mouth, my mouth. And I was like, I got it. No problem. I'm here when you're ready. Can you believe you're sitting here right now on a podcast doing this? No, I can't. You never would have imagined, right? Never would have imagined. But like talking to someone like you like you gave me the strength you know just hearing like where you were at later on made me feel like okay I can be there you know but I feel like through my whole journey I've just honored where I've been what Mm -hmm. I've felt and just allowed myself to do that and surround myself with people who don't make me feel guilty for that who so proud of you I really am you're one of the few that contacted me. Well, not few, but that contacted me right after that was in a place that was in that place, that place that still to this day makes my stomach turn and my chill bumps and that oh, trenches yeah. zone that I literally watched you go through every single phase, girl, to get to this point where you are honoring your baby every single day and you are holding your grief unapologetically. Thank you. 
so proud of you. You did the work, you did it. And you're still on the journey, but you're getting to a point now where you can sit here and talk about it. And you are about to help so many others. You're passing the torch now. (laughs) You will. Yeah. You're such a light. So I want you to tell us Rylan's story. Yeah. However you'd like to, where you would like to start so we can get to know you. Yeah. So, um, we were pregnant with Rylan early 2022 January and you know is the typical oh wait my period's five days late and I'm really nauseous like what's going on and we were pregnant with him and like I said before we didn't know we were gonna be able to get pregnant naturally because of my husband's history um and then you know I mean not picture perfect pregnancy but on paper I mean I couldn't really do much because I was vomiting all the time and the only thing I could do was rest. Um, but lab work, everything was good. He was good until it wasn't. And um, I was 39 weeks pregnant. And at that point, I was going to the doctor weekly. And I didn't feel him move at all. It, all of a sudden, it was like moving consistently to nothing. And that's the time period where it's like, when did it happen? You know, but in that moment, I knew he was gone, but I didn't really want to accept it. That was like Mm -hmm. your worst fear, like happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do know he was gone in that moment because I could, I could feel a limb just like literally floating in my belly. I remember just touching my belly and I could feel whatever it was, his arm, his leg. Um, Mm -hmm. So went to the doctor, confirmed no heartbeat. Was your husband with you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in that moment, like he broke down, but I was just like, I was pissed. I was pissed. Mm. I was pissed that like my worst fear happened. Mm -hmm. So your initial response, your brain went into anger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I knew just cause I've been a nurse for the past eight years. I knew what the next steps were going to be. And so I remember thinking, I cannot break down right now. This is going to be, mm. I don't even know how long of a journey right now. Uh, Had you yeah. witnessed this before as a nurse? Not exactly. Never a stillbirth. Okay. But I've witnessed I don't, countless amounts of families losing their children, their babies, mm-hmm. whether they're newborns or you know, teenagers, twenties. Yeah. So that's a full circle moment too. Like shit. Now, now I'm one of them. Like, you know, you feel the pain when you're taking care of a family who loses a child, but you never get it until it's your own. Mm Wow. Yeah. Um, so we were actually at the doctor's office when the heartbeat was not confirmed. And so we had to go to the hospital, but they said we could go home first and then go to the hospital. But I remember I was like, so what does this mean? Like, are you inducing my labor or C-section? Like I, I've never. You were close to full, right? You were, you were there. I was was 39 weeks pregnant. I was 39 from my due date. I I already talked with my OB. She was like, I'm not letting you go past two days past your due date. I was like, perfect. 
That sounds great. We'll see what happens. You know, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. 39 weeks. Everything was great until it wasn't. And being in the medical field in the beginning, I kept being like, how could I have prevented this? How mm-hmm. could the medical field have prevented this? And the only way this could have been prevented is catching that moment. So it was caused by an umbilical cord compression. Um, and the only way we could have caught it is if I was in the hospital on that fetal heart monitor. Mm-hmm. There, It's just, it's mind blowing. I hope that one day there's something that prevents that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know. Yeah, that's how Lori to, died too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember really feeling connected with you when you told me about that. It's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the one thing is. that's their lifeline is the one thing that killed them. It's Ugh. How in this day and age, can we not see the placement? I just, it's, I don't know what's worse to think that it was preventable or to accept that it was not. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That, that hit hard. But uh, so we did an autopsy. We did everything, all these tests, possible, like possible tests that we could do to see what happened. And everything was healthy. Placenta was healthy. Like he was completely healthy. And it's like that fucking umbilical cord did this. Like everything we did was right. And it just, it goes back to that, what we can control and what we can't control, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't. And you got that information from climbing, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I sent uh, my placenta to Dr. Kleiman. It's wild that compressions aren't talked about more. I know. It's always the nuchal cord around the neck or it's a knot. Yeah. We have the, 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 I I was told, did you, were you told the babies uh, play with it and they squeeze it? Oh, Sometimes yeah, we, they pass out and don't let go. Are you, what? Yeah. You're telling uh, me he yeah. killed himself? Oh, okay. Right. right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Rylan had a nuchal cord. And oh, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember like preparing myself to be like, okay, like he could come out and we see him right away and know, okay, he wasn't healthy or just something to give us an answer of why this happened. And I remember as soon as I saw his face, I was like, he was completely healthy. And, but as soon as they delivered him, I I had a cesarean. As soon as they delivered him, they were like nuchal cord. And I was like, I fucking knew it It was that cord. Like, and then of course, then after you hear, oh, 30% of living babies are delivered with nuchal cords. And you're like, well, great. Well, mine possibly died from that. Or like you said, the hand thing. Mm -hmm. I remember going to a 4D ultrasound and he was playing with his cord the whole time, like whipping it around like a lasso, like oh my gosh. holding it in his hand. Yeah. But it's like, they're, it's like, they're not that strong, but again, I just feel like there's, you can look at the science, but there's, mm-hmm. there's control with certain things and some things you don't have control That's with. That's true. It happened with Wolfie. Wolfie was compressing and we were losing really? him. Yeah. So I'm like, this, this is like this is a thing now. So it's something that we are going to hyper-focus on. I'm not trying to scare you, obviously. Well, maybe because shit, 
Um, I'm already and, scared. You can't yeah, fuck. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we're all terrified. Let's be real. Yeah, I think exactly. what it is is that uh, inundating with information that you're is unwanted. But uh, here we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. He. He. Uh, uh, my water broke, and uh, I out of nowhere, and I went in, oh. and they were going to keep him in because he was only 32 weeks. They were going to try to keep him in for as long as we possibly could, yeah. but we lost his heartbeat for eight minutes, and they were like, he's oh, compressing his cord, and I was like, you got to be shitting me. I'm Get like, him out. Get him out. Get him out. As I started screaming, get him the fuck out now. And I was yelling and yeah, they got him out within 60 seconds. And uh, it's one of those things oh. where I'm not sure though, if what happened to Brody didn't happen, if I would have been equipped to handle what happened with Wolfie. Cause I had to make a call and I was like, it's now we're going now. I'm not, when you say core compression, I'll fuck with a core compression. Nope. That's, oh my God. I had a friend that was, um, she was like 36 weeks, a friend of a friend. She went in for, uh, to check up cause she didn't feel well. And the baby's heartbeat kept dipping because they said that she was compressing the cord. And I was like, and they sent her home. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, bitch, you're oh, strapping me to that bed and you're uh, no. Yeah, oh, oh, she's, yeah. they said she's just playing with her cord. Oh, no, she's no, just no, playing no, with no, her no. cord. Nope, nope, nope. Listen, it doesn't stop after our babies die. We're going to have to continue to educate people and continue to educate ourselves because if we're going to continue to do pregnancy, we need to understand that there are things that could happen and now we're hyper aware about them. Okay. Yeah. So, whew, Jesus. Okay. So I didn't you know went that into, about Wolfie. I haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that with me and with everyone listening. Like I haven't decided oh yet, God, Maria, God. if I'm gonna tell my audience that yeah, Wolfie's Wolfie's birth was fucking traumatic. Um but anyway, um you so you went into anger, which is interesting because I haven't really heard this yet, that the mm. first initial was anger. When did you what happened when you started to get that? Oh, so you opted for a C-section. Did they I give did. you the choice? So no, uh, so no. Basically, I asked, I was in the outpatient office with, she wasn't my OB, which is like kind of a good thing because I probably don't need to see her ever again when she gave me the bad news of no heartbeat. So yeah, yeah. Um, not her fault, but, you know, traumatic moment. And so I remember being like, okay, so, you're going to start me on Pitocin and then I'm going to labor for a day or two or a C-section. Like what, what do you normally do here? And she's like, oh yeah, like we'll induce you and you'll be in labor and labor honestly scared the shit out of me before I lost Rylan because mm -hmm. also from what I've seen, I've seen traumatic deliveries where the baby doesn't make it. So I automatically had that in my head of, you know, this, that could be a possibility, you know? Mm -hmm. So it are, it scared the shit out of me. Um, that, that part of it, of like the baby not making it because, you know, they could get stuck. You know, I'm not, I'm mm. not, I'm not, I'm like a petite girl. Like I could see that happening. I've seen it happen. Yep, with I've seen it too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Women. So back to that. So I opted for a cesarean because labor scared the shit out of me. And I did not want to go through labor for a day or two because mm -hmm. it that just didn't feel right to me. You know, what felt right to me in that moment was I wanted to see him. Like, I don't even know how long he was dead in me for. I want to see him as like 
instead of like the longer we wait, the worse his body is going That's to true. look as okay. well. Did someone uh, tell you that? Cause I did not know that. No, I, I just knew that from my history of like okay. seeing in the PICU, mm-hmm. you know, like I've seen dead babies before mm-hmm. and I just, I already knew what he was going to potentially look like. And if we waited more, I just, I wanted to see him, you know, I wanted to see his body. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I opted for a cesarean and then they even said, they were like, well, we can completely knock you out or, you know, we can just numb you from the waist down, like what, whatever you want to do. Um, so I really had to advocate for myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. The, the OB in the outpatient setting was like, no way you are not getting a cesarean. And I, I had like, she was giving me a freaking attitude after what just happened. But, um, I knew she wasn't going to be the one taking care of me. The OB in the hospital was like, listen, I've never been through your pain. So I'm going to do whatever you want mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciated that. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And so we did the cesarean. I opted to stay awake during it because I wanted that moment to see him. Um, yeah. So walk me through as much as you want to about yeah. the after and what, when you shifted from the anger, what, what, what did you shift into next? Oh, as soon as I saw his face, sadness. Mm -hmm. And even back to when there was no heartbeat, I felt like my bot, like my, like I left my body. Like I felt like I was viewing it Mm -hmm. like at the corner of the room, whatever room I was in, like Mm -hmm. I wasn't in my body. But the moment I saw Rylan's face, I just, I, that's when I allowed myself to completely break down and to go into sadness. Oh, he's one of the freaking cutest babies I've seen. He's so precious. Thank you. Yeah. He's like the perfect mix of me and my husband. I can like, see it actually. Yeah. And it's funny because my husband, Matt, he's always like, I don't want him to have my nose because he feels like he has a big nose. So he literally has Matt's face with my nose. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So you had, you have a beautiful picture on your Instagram. Who took that? Oh, um, a wonderful nurse, Lauren. She was actually the charge nurse um, in the labor and delivery unit that day. And her specialty is dealing with families who grieve the loss of their babies. Mm -hmm. And she was charge nurse. And she actually, when she admitted us into our room, she was like, I need to take care of these people. Like someone else needs to take on this role as charge nurse. And she, she saved me that day too. What an angel. I love hearing that. Seriously. But you talked to her since? Oh, yes. Yeah. I have her number. She's came over to the house because she made so many beautiful things for Rylan. Like she made this beautiful foot mold, like with like little flowers on it. And she made a whole beautiful box with like put his photos in frames and like gave us a hard drive with like all the photos. But she took him to take like, you know, those newborn photos. So I love that photo where his hands are like so beautiful he changed her life too wow he changed a lot of people's lives yeah so what so you went through all the formalities that unfortunately we have to do at the hospital make these decisions that are horrific decisions yeah Yeah. up on painkillers you're probably in a ton of pain well you actually said you recovered from your c-section quite well right 
I honestly think I had so much adrenaline pumping in my body that I didn't feel pain. I even remember the moment they put the epidural or I forget what they call it when they do it later, but epidural or something in my back. And I was like, I don't even feel it. I didn't even feel pain from an epidural being put in my back because I think I was so out of my body and I had so much adrenaline. And then even, yeah, my recovery from the cesarean, I was walking up and down the stairs. Like my family was like, I like, how are you walking right now? But I just, I don't think I felt anything in my body. That's the thing. That's so cesarean. I have had both. I've had a vaginal and I've had cesarean Mm -hmm. and cesarean is wild by the way. Like, Oh yeah. It's traumatic by itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had a traumatic, I had a near death with Brody. So it's like, when you go through these things, you don't really focus on the pain because the emotional pain of them being gone so much worse that you're kind of numb to physical pain, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And not to minimize it, because I know a lot of mamas, actually, this is interesting. A a couple of mamas have reached out recently. I hope they've reached out to you asking if anybody opted for a C-section for their stillbirth. And honestly, I didn't realize that was such a a thing um, that I don't know if there's, it's, it's not a regret thing, but it's like, I think it's the trauma on top of trauma thing, uh, yeah. maybe. And then the the aftermath of the, the healing, um, the scar and everything. I mean, how do you feel when you see your scar? Uh, so it's a mix of emotions. I feel mix, like that's like yeah. everything with life. It's like, it reminds me of like the time when Rylan was here and all yeah. that love, but it's also like shit. Like I was 39 weeks pregnant with Rylan and he's not here. Like I had a surgery. You had a free surgery. And he's not here. Yeah. And like back to that doctors, they don't give you the option. The only reason I got a cesarean is because I advocated. Like I asked, Mm -hmm. I said, what do we do here? And they call it major surgery. It is major surgery. They think it's unnecessary. But I think if you offer a C-section in these situations, it's to salvage whatever mental capacity you might have and to salvage any, to be honest with you, even inducing and going into labor is traumatic. I mean, pushing a baby out that you know is the last time you're ever going to feel them in your body. The last push I screamed, I'm not pushing. I didn't want to, I didn't, if I knew if I pushed, he'd be out and be over. Yeah. And they were like, you have got to push. So no matter what we do, it's traumatic as shit. It's horrible. It's nightmarish. It's awful. It's awful. There's no, there's no crying. There's no screaming from the baby. You're wide open on a table. The baby's silent. What the fuck is going on? Like, I'm sure the team is silent. Like the only thing I could hear were the sniffles of my nurses. And it's like, we have to make a decision in that moment to try to get through it the best way that we can. And there's no way that's, it's all shit. All of it. Yeah. So yeah. the best, least, worst <laughs> yes. way to yeah. get through it. And I'm glad that you advocated for yourself. And I hope those listening can can know that even if you didn't advocate, that's okay. You were making choices Absolutely. that you just didn't know how to make. Absolutely. not. Do not blame yourself for that. If you're listening and you feel that, that is on the medical team. And that's that's what I want to work towards. They need to be more aware. So what about you in your nursing space? Do you have any capacity to try to make some change in that direction? Or what are you thinking there? Maybe, maybe. Um, I I think a lot of work needs to be done in the inpatient setting. But I think I'm really passionate right now 
about wanting to help in the outpatient setting because Mm -hmm. they just kind of say, oh, here's the depression scale. Are you depressed? I mean, some do and some are like, no shit, you're depressed. Like, (laughs) Yet you tell them you're depressed and they admit you to a psych ward and you're like, but this is legitimate. Like why I'm allowed to be depressed right now. I think you're absolutely right. I think when we lose when our babies die. So a lot of us go into prevention and a lot of us go into the bereavement space, the grief space. And I think I'm with you. I'm in the aftermath space. It's, it's kind of like, okay, this happened. I needed somebody to walk me through the whole process and then tell me what happens next. Once I get out the doors. And I think you as a nurse could start these panels and do these educational things for these, these outpatient staffing people who bless them. I was God, I was, I went and I did a speaking engagement and, um, it was to a panel of nurses, bless them. They're great. They're angels. But I was told that they get their schedule when they walk in, in the morning and whoever has not had a stillbirth or an infant death or or stillbirth, excuse me, um, or a loss patient, um, in a while will get that one. And then you, they like hate it and they get so sad and they really don't know what to do. And I'm kind of like, we need to help them on that front. We need to just give them the tools. That used to be me. Unless I had a connection to the family. Mm -hmm. If I had a connection to that family, I would want to be in that room. But if I didn't, we don't get resources to help. Mm -hmm. Like you said, and you doing the panel and speaking is a great start to that. They don't know what they don't know. And exactly. I, and I told the lady, I was like, Hey, listen, your nurses are uncomfortable for 12 hours. We're uncomfortable for the rest of our lives. They can get through it. Yes. And she was like, I'm oh, going to yeah. use that. I'm like, great. I hope that one yeah. freaking line helps. It's horrible. Nobody wants to be in that room. I didn't even, I didn't want to be in the room. Right. Like, Ag- agreed. But they, to get out of there fast enough. The nurses need more resources on That's what true. to do. It's kind of yeah. like, they're just thrown into it. Like mm-hmm. even in nursing school, I don't, I don't even remember being taught about how to care for. You could literally just pen a manual. You really could like how to handle this and just be like, you guys slip this into the criteria. You could. I could. Yeah, absolutely. You got the capacity. Yeah. You are a nurse. I feel like coming from you, it would be like, oh shit, this makes more sense than coming from, you know, a lost mother who's not. Um, That's that's what's needed too, for sure. So much. And that's the thing. We have to choose how much we have the capacity for. I think you having your shop beautiful things that put smile on people's faces, but you're consistently talking to these mamas and getting stories. And it's, it's a lot sometimes. Oh, the most beautiful story I heard the other day, she was wearing her son's name necklace and her living baby after she lost her son was like holding on to the necklace and playing with it. And it was just, that's so sweet. It is so sweet. Yeah you're doing good. It's just, and people like, it's just jewelry. It's not, it's the only thing that says their name because you don't get to say it a lot. Yeah. I got to order some pieces too. I just saw the herringbone thing. You, I love it. Is that what it's called? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pretty. Yes. Okay. But took you a minute. Okay. You get home. What were the days like for you right after? Uh, Well, this kind of ties into Rylan James. Um, so I remember coming home, empty house, like could not have been quieter. Cause it's like, you're expecting a crying newborn mm-hmm. and 
I, you know, I pictured bringing Rylan home and them meeting um, our two corgi puppies. They're um, hilarious. <laughs> I think of you every time I see a corgi race or a corgi. It's oh, so funny. I love them so much. They, they've helped me in this grief journey and will That's continue to. so important. Um, but I remember coming home, coming upstairs and, um, actually Matt's family, which is super nice. I'm not sure. Maybe my family too. I'm not really sure who took this on, but they put all the baby stuff in his room, like stroller, the bassinet that was in our bedroom and just like closed the door. And I was like forever grateful for that. Um, cause we, I didn't have to walk into my bedroom seeing an empty bassinet. I think I already knew it was there. Um, didn't want to actually see it, but so I go upstairs and this bracelet actually, it says mm-hmm. Ryland's name on it. I had it made before, you know, all of this happened. Oh, wow. I remember putting it on and cause I, we had, we didn't tell anyone his name. It was like a secret between Matt and I. So I remember I was going to be excited to wear it. You know, he's here. Everyone knows his name, but obviously in that moment I put it on and I remember feeling like closer to him. And then from then on, I was obsessed with ordering more jewelry or like pieces in my home that remind me of Rylan. And that's how Rylan James came about. I wanted Where to did you get that. his name from? So Matt found Rylan, but I think it was spelled A-N at the end mm-hmm. on just like one of those name generators. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we both like it, but I don't know if we like the spelling of it. And then so we played around and we liked it with the E-N at the end. Yeah. Um, and then James is also in my family as a name as well. So we kind of liked that. And we liked RJ as the initials so as cute. well. Like that could be a cute name, like nickname. Yeah. So you had the idea to create a little boutique with special pieces. Yeah. Tell yeah. me how it came about. Came about. Yeah. So when I put on that bracelet, I was like, I need to give this feeling to other women. And I just remember in the early stages, um, I was like, I just thought just came about in my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to name it Ryland James. That way I can always see his name and he's always going to be a part of my life. Um, I want to give pieces to women who want that connection to their babies or they feel like they can't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I mean, anything, anything in their home that reminds them of their babies. I feel like whenever I see Ryland's name, it just it just brings me back to times when I was pregnant with him and remembering all those special memories I had with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember just lying in bed and just like researching different manufacturers and, you know, making my logo. So it was like in my deep part of grief, it was like healing for me Mm -hmm. and now connecting with other moms and hearing their stories and the impact that the jewelry has on them, it's it's really impactful. And I mean, this community is the most supportive community I've ever been a part of. Like the strongest, most genuine women. Wild. Yeah. Internet strangers I, become the people that save your life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I felt so alone in the beginning. And I didn't come across like the Instagram pages until... um a woman had gone through this that was in my sorority. She was like two years older than me. And it's a very similar story. And she basically messaged me 
and told me her story about her sweet little boy. And she was like, there's a whole Instagram community. And I feel like that really launched it as well. Mm -hmm. And you had already been pretty out there on social media. You had a, like a lifestyle blog, right? You were cooking and doing things and, and you had already had a pretty, pretty solid following. So tell me like what happened when you finally announced that to that audience did you get a lot of unfollows? Did you get a lot of support? What happened there? A lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really notice unfollows, but if they did, then good. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. do a part of this community. Um, but yeah, I remember the day, um, I think I think it was like two weeks after we lost Rylan. But I remember that moment I hit share on um, all of my pages. And I just remember feeling the energy of people like that were heartbroken from us. Like I remember just people were like praying for us. And I feel like I felt that energy. And then I feel like that also lifted me to want to share more. Mm-hmm. And I remember you went to France and you were starting yeah. to like post more about food and the things that light a fire. And I was, I think I messaged you. I was like, I'm so happy to see this little piece of you coming back a little bit. Do you feel like right after Rylan died that you did some pieces of you kind of dive or like, go the whole thing, (laughs) the whole P the whole part of you, everything. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I was pregnant with Rylan, my heart just like grew and grew and grew. And then when I lost him, it was like, it shattered, completely shattered. All of me shattered. So I feel like. Did you not want to do things that you used to do? Like, was it too much to go back to the old Maria? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I, I'm still not the old Maria. Some people see parts of me and they think, oh, she's fine now. Because you you started with the food again. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, I'm always going to love food. But right after I lost Rylan, it was like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't think about food. I couldn't like, all I could think about was Rylan is dead. Mm -hmm. Couldn't think about anything else. And it's such an interesting, I'm going to use a great word, juxtaposition, (laughs) um, that when you, your child dies and you are catapulted into a reality that you do not want that you look around and you're like, wow, I can't fix this. I can't change this. I've dealt been dealt a deck of cards that I don't want to play with. I don't want this. And yep. that feeling is very like, get me out of this body. I don't want to do this. And there were several moments, meltdowns that I had where I was like, I wanted to just unzip, like, what is it like men in black and like, get out of this body because I didn't want this reality. I was you telling me I have to feel this way my whole fucking life, the rest of my life. I don't want this. I want to go back. I was good. I was good. I was good. And I have chills because I haven't thought about this in a long time. And it's, it's horrible to Mm -hmm. realize you cannot escape this reality. So what ends up happening in my opinion is that there are certain things about us, who we were, things we did that we don't want to do because it puts us back into that who we were before. And that's, it's where we, when we were happy, when we were ignorant, when blissful, that we had no clue that this could happen to us. And so you don't want to go back there. So you kind of throw that shit away. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, what have I got left? And you're trying to salvage pieces of yourself. But I will say in time, 
little pieces did come back, like little pieces of who I was when I was happier. I said happier because I'm yeah. happy now, but I'm, I was happier then. Yep. Little pieces do come back. And I th- think to me, and you can tell me how you felt too. Um, it was almost a retaliation against loss. It was like, you cannot take everything from me. I have got to have little pieces of myself back that make me feel like myself again, even though I am completely altered for the rest of my life. And for me, it was like fitness workout classes or even work, even work. I was like, I love what I do. And there was so much time where I was like, fuck it. I don't want to do anything like that. Um, yeah. So what, so for you, I feel like it kind of trickled back too, right. After a certain amount of time and you, you let it right. Yeah. And I feel like it's come back differently to mm-hmm. my love for food because now I'm looking at it as healing my body, mm-hmm. healing my gut, healing my hormones, healing my mind, because that's all I can do. I can't, Rylan's not going to be back. So I have to do what I can control to help me live a life that I want to live. Cause I'm still here for whatever reason, but yeah. he's not. And there's always going to be a hole in my heart, but I think there's room for other things in my heart too. So, and I really like your content recently. You're doing like anti-inflammatory yeah. inflammatory foods. You're doing healthy dishes. Like, so, yeah. so I'm a huge, so I was a fitness professional. I still am, but I was a big coach. I was a trainer. I was like really, and then I was very aware of what I was putting in my body yeah, and what things would make me feel bad. You know, if I ate a bunch of sugar, if I ate a bunch of bread, or if I had too much alcohol, obviously Mm -hmm. um, I would always be aware of where it would put my mental space and make me Mm -hmm. feel a certain way. Now, obviously grief sucks and it's horrible and we get really dark, but I will tell you, if you stay in a nasty diet, it will make you feel even worse than that. It'll make it harder to dig yourself out when you need to do that. And also reproductive wise, getting rid of inflammatory foods while you're trying to get pregnant is a thing. Like, because if you're inflamed from the inside out, your body's going to dispel things and say, this is not a proper environment. So I really love what you're doing. Where did you get your education on that? And where did that kind of like come from? Yeah. So I feel like my whole life, I've always been interested in eating healthy and like, you know, your body best, right? You know, it Mm -hmm. makes you feel bad and good. But then I feel like this hormone balancing like blew up on social media. And then it made me dive in more into reading about it and learning about it that way, whether it's podcasts, reading. Um, So just being now I feel like I'm more focused on let's eat in the certain part of your cycle that you're at, like what should you eat in your luteal phase, or what should you eat when you're ovulating? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but also in the beginning, I could not give a shit what I was right. Thinking. So if you were <laughs> at that point, yeah, just do what you need to do to survive that moment. You know, so yeah. I could care less what was going into my body, yeah, because Rylan wasn't here. But. I feel like now I'm in the part where we're trying to have a baby again. And again, it goes back to, I can control what's going into my body. And maybe that can mean this is a safe space for a baby. Love that. That is so huge. Yeah. And you're right. In the very beginning, I was like, I am not gonna, if anybody, if anybody listened to my podcast with Kelsey about body image, you'll hear me say, uh, or body image and baby weight, you'll hear me say that there was 0% chance I was going to deprive myself of a food or something that I wanted because I was already being deprived of my child. 
And it was really freaking tough to say, I'm going on a diet or I'm not going to have that pizza. Yeah. I felt like shit, but I felt like shit anyway. So yeah. I was like, and if I wanted a drink on a frigging Tuesday at 2 PM, I was going to have like a glass of wine. If it meant, you know, not spiraling, trust me guys, I did not totally. binge. I was too afraid of a hangover because I knew hangovers were dark and I didn't want to get darker. So I was monitoring alcohol, not crazy, yeah. Um, yeah. but it, it's, it's, it's a, what you're saying is exactly right. When you start to really then another phase of grief is to get a little bit more control over your diet and to really help yourself a little bit more in the health department comes way later. I think for me, yeah. it was like nine, 10 months out. I think I wasn't even like really that concerned until around that point when I was trying to conceive as well. Yeah. You haven't even hit a year yet. Have you? Uh, it's coming up. Yeah. October, October 12th. So, so many October babies, so many October babies. I, it's just so wild. I mean, it's hard to tell because now I'm in it, but it's like, I feel like I hear about this more and more. And I feel like I've met so many women who lost their baby in October. Well, think about when you conceived. What was it like New Year's Eve? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's okay. True. <laughs> Someone got lucky. Everyone got lucky on New Year's Eve or Christmas so or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. That time of the year the time of the year, but there's a lot of October babies, which is so royally messed up because it's pregnancy and infant loss awareness month. I and know. I didn't even know that was a thing until last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the lead up to the birthday is way worse than the birthday itself. And I, and I have said that before, and I have heard that multiple times and the day holds a lot of pressure. I don't know if you feel that. I'm trying to let go of the pressure and I You're feel like that's gonna be what's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, it's, I've already thought of things of what we could do. And honestly, what you shared about Brody's first birthday inspired me to be like, Oh, that's a good idea. Like, I think you mentioned you went out to eat somewhere that reminded you of the time with Brody. And I was like, mm -hmm. I love that because mm -hmm. again, it takes you to a time where you were so happy with them because they were living the only thing, so like if they were having a first birthday, we would know if they liked uh, right. trucks or dinosaurs, we would know what they really, or we would pick a, a theme and it would be fun. To me, the only thing I knew is that he really liked it when I ate at the first watch when I had breakfast. And so uh, that yeah. was like the only thing that I could do was go back to what I knew he what he, what he, what he knew, the only thing he knew was what I put in my body, the music that I played, the massages that I did in the shower on my belly, you know, just things yeah. like that. And one thing that I will tell you is, I don't know if I thought, and someone helped me. So thank God for lost. Well, that's a horrible thing to say, but the lost moms who've gone before have been really helpful Yeah, because you don't know how to navigate this. Um, yep. I was really concerned about setting, um, traditions for the first birthday and mm, somebody yeah. corrected me and was like no bitch you can change <laughs> you don't have to set traditions for the rest of your life they're going to change so just get through the first holidays and birthdays then you can start to make little traditions living children make those easier at the time I was like don't have one of those yet but okay um but it's starting yeah. to make sense and I just got through the day the best way that I possibly could. I had several meltdowns, but the next day was a relief. 
Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I made it. I made it through all the firsts. Mm -hmm. Here comes the second year. I don't know what that's going to be like, but I made it through all the firsts. And now I felt empowered to take on the rest. Um, and that was one thing. And I was like, should I feel relief? I felt super guilty. So I contacted a few lost moms and they're like, nope, relief is huge. It's such a thing. You'll find out girl. Yeah. And, and just don't put, it's so much. You just don't want to walk away feeling guilty. Like, oh, I should have done. I did. I had a meltdown at like 2 PM. I was like, we should have had a birthday party. And Michael's like, we would have barely had a birthday party if he was one, like, come on. He was alive. Yeah. So we just decided, okay, next year we'll have one next year. And so it's just us trying to be perfect in a very imperfect situation. And no one tells you how to do this shit. Like, you know, there's no right or wrong way. You have to do what you need to do. But I do relate to what you were saying with setting a tradition. I feel like that's what's going on in my mind. Um, But you're right. The tradition can change. Like nothing is hard in stone. Mm -mm. Just get through the first one the best way you can. And that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. People are like, hey, there's no right or wrong. But honestly, like a survival guide was really helpful for me. Like here are some suggestions Mm. on what you should do. Like, yeah. You had your birthday, but you were, you were in France for your birthday, right? That was my husband's birthday. Oh, okay. We were just at the beach for my birthday. Yeah. Our birthdays are horrible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone was like, just lock yourself in your room and just cry all day. And I tried that the day before it was, I was like, Michael, get me out of this house. I can't just (laughs) sit here. Yeah. So, <laughs> line up the day, like line up a bunch yeah. of shit to do. And I, that was yeah. one thing I learned. It's like, stay busy. And everyone's like, well, I feel like bad distracting myself. No distractions are blessings that get us through the day until we're able to carry this better. Yeah. Oh I my mean, God. Do, do what you have to do. I, I had that feeling. I cannot be home. We need mm-hmm. to be out somewhere. But I mean, if you need to be in the room crying by yourself and do it, I don't recommend it, but if you, (laughs) if you got to do it, you got to do it. Yeah. I mean, but you can have moments to do that, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Like yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday was a moment. Yeah. I I don't even, that's the thing. Nothing trigger, not nothing. Sometimes nothing will trigger me and it's just boom, Mm -hmm. a wave hits you. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. That's the yeah. thing. And sometimes you just wake up kind of icky and you're like, what did I don't, did I dream? Like, why do I feel so weird? Right. Uh, and it's, and then sucks. And then your support, you know, like what happened? What's wrong? It's like, not like nothing necessarily just happened, but hello, like Rylan's not here. That's what's wrong. That is so true. Like even poor Michael is like, why are you upset today? And I'm like, Brody's still dead. And he's like, oh, Right. That's true. So to <laughs> yeah. us, it's every day. It's like we relive it every single day. It's always at the forefront of our minds. So yeah. when we have like a really down moment, we just start crying out of nowhere. It's usually our dead son, you know, like, right, right. Not right. The, and so, and the Michael will be yeah. like, okay, just checking that you're not like hurt or something. Oh, so he was like relieved when he finds out it's Brody and it's nothing new. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> still Brody. Still Brody. Yep. And it's, it's crazy. Like how, you know, moms and dads grieve so differently. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, everyone does. How, how has that changed with like your relationship? Like, 
Oh, I feel like we've been married for like at least a decade in a, <laughs> in, a in a good way though. That's great. Like, it like it has strengthened us and we have bonded and talked about things on a whole other level. You know, like this happened within us being married like a little over a year. Like shit. You don't you don't get married and you expect to lose a child or a Mm-mm. baby. Not in the honeymoon phase, yeah. Did you right. at some point go Hey, you can, you can leave if you want, you know, like, Hey, this isn't what you signed up for. Are you okay with this moving forward? Yeah, for sure. That's gone through my mind because, you know, it's, it's hard being a grieving mother and it's hard being around that. It's hard to be a wife. Yeah. It's hard to be a wife. It's hard to be a partner. It's hard to be a friend when you're a grieving mother, because it's, it's almost like we just can't see beyond it. And I think that's one thing that, I mean, Michael and I took a really big trip in Egypt. That's why I was so happy to see you guys went to Paris. I was like, I have to focus on my husband for a second. Like I need to focus on our relationship. And even if Brody lived, I would have called up grandma and said, you got to take this kid for a few days. I'm going to go focus on my marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I had vowed to do that I would always put my husband first as best as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just started putting him second and maybe even third. So I yeah. had to kind of check myself and be like, okay, he deserves, our relationship deserves some attention. Um, and you yeah. can't force it, but it was something that I knew that I needed. And I was really happy I did that out the gate because I think if you go too long identifying as the grieving mother, you're going to lose, you're just going to lose a lot of other things about your life that you care about. Yeah. That's just in my opinion. Yeah. But also if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best either. You mm. know, by people you've had yeah. some issues with people. Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? That's a good question. I, <laughs> I know maybe a couple of lost mamas that didn't really have to the degree that some of us have. Okay. Yeah. But everybody does feel the sting from people who just don't get it for sure. For sure. You're not weird. If it's happening to you, it's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. How did you handle it? I feel like where I'm at now is I am letting go of having expectations of people. Amen. But then that makes me angry when they have expectations of me because Mm. I'm like, okay, well, I dropped expectations from you. Like you haven't done X, Y, and Z. So why do you have expectations for me? So, I mean, I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. <laughs> but... Not, but that's okay. <laughs> I like where your head's at. But <laughs> I mean, you tip for dad. I love it. Oh shit. But that's... Well, the relationship thing would be complicated without the death of a baby. So like, as we get older and like, I have sorority sister friends, there's a couple that I really just don't give a shit about mending or talking to right now, because at this phase, I'm like, I don't have the capacity for your bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Yet they, yet they put it on me that I'm the one choosing to do this, that I'm the one that's like, but I'm like, no, it's not me doing this. It's your actions and I'm responding to them. So it's, it's just, it would get complicated. I think no matter what in life, but this added layer of baby death is just, it's the wild, wild West with relationships. We have to choose how we navigate these things. 
And for me, it's the older generation. Like my generation has been pretty accepting or whoever I surround myself with in my generation. It's the older because the I parents feel like- and the grandparents that are like, I've seen worse. Right. Not even just like my parents or like my grandparents. It's just like anybody in that generation, like a friend or Interesting. Like an extended aunt or uncle or something like that. That's true. Actually. It's, it's just, they have never seen someone talk about a loss like I have. And I mean, yeah. anyone's actions on you is a representation of them, whether that's a, you're triggering something with them or they don't want to dive deeper. Mm. So anything that was hurtful to me, I now look at it where they can only do what they can do. They're not allowing mm. themselves to go to places where I have. And I feel like being on this healing journey, I can recognize that even more when someone else needs to be on their healing journey because you just see how people react and look at you being all mature and emotionally <laughs> intelligent, self-awareness coming out the ears. I dig this about you, girl. It's true. Right. Or I sense zero lies here. It's a generation of people that I think weren't allowed to talk about these things. And also we're like, it's inappropriate to talk about these things. And so they look at us like, bitch, get over it. It's just a pregnancy loss. Have another. And you're like, I'm sorry. I don't want to put that on everybody in that category though, because there are some that are like, I had one and I wish I could have talked about it because I'd be a different person if I could have talked about it 30, 40 years ago. But I think this generation is so wildly open about grief and loss and imperfections, which I'm super thankful for, to be honest, because even I think five to 10 years ago, this platform was not available for people to connect on something as horrible as stillbirth. So I'm thankful that we are able to do this in an open space um, and connect with others. Cause that's all that really is, is you're, you're open about your journey to help others. It's not for look at me, feel sorry for me, pity me, give me attention. I Come on, right. <laughs> other ways to do that. A dead right. child. So it's right, right. Just to connect. Yeah, it's to connect. And it's also healing for you when you yeah. just like talking to you, even like now or messaging, like it was so helpful and healing for me, you know, and there's not going to be an end to this. When I say healing, I'm not going to be like one day I'm healed. Like, no, like I said, there's always going to be a hole in my heart, but I just think with time, it's just going to be different. It is. And like yeah. you said, you have a living child now. It's just different. It's more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the healing card, it's, we will never be healed from it because there'll always be a gigantic Rylan and Brody shaped hole in our heart. Yeah. But healing for me personally is getting away from the anger, the regret, the fury that I have that he's gone. That's what I want to heal from. I want to think of him and be happy and think of him with love and continue his name in that way. So my healing journey is to try not to associate such negative feelings with my son. Not there yet, but it's getting better. It's getting better, but I'm I'm just not there yet. Um, I've thought about this. Like when we're like, 80 years old, will we only think about the love or will there always be, why did this happen? 
Like I'm angry that this happened. Let's get an 80 year old on the pod. Does anybody (laughs) know an 80 year old who has had this happen? Can I get them on the pod? I need to know. Yes, Catherine. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's the thing, Maria. Honestly, for me, and you probably did the same thing because you mentioned it. I I, I wanted to talk to that girl that was 15 years out. I wanted to know what does loss look like 15 years from now? And I did. And it was shocking to hear that she had really not thought about it in a long time. She couldn't remember details at all. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, am I doing myself a disservice or detrimental action by rehashing details all the time? Should I just forget the details? Am I just setting myself up for pain forever? Or the more that I do this, will I desensitize to the details and use those details to help others until I'm dead, you know? So it right. was a question of, and, and, and it dug up a lot for these mamas who are 10, 15 years out that were kind of like, wow, I haven't thought about this in so long. And it just brought up waves mm-hmm. of grief and, and almost guilt that they hadn't talked about it in so long. Yes. So I had to make a choice right out the gate. I was like, yeah. okay, am I going to rip like dig into this every single day of my life or am I just gonna put this aside for a little bit still honor him and talk about him but take out the details of his death and all that and the pain and everything I don't know I I chose to just do as much as I could to just talk about it as much as I could and yeah because I decided the only way to parent him was to do this so that's what I decided and it's not for everybody and I think you're doing this you're on the same path I love how you, I'm sorry. No, please. I love how you say that. Like, this is how I parent Brody. Like Mm -hmm. that's perfectly said because we can't go to their nursery and feed them a bottle or like, I would have a 10 and a half month old right now. Like he would be like, probably like, you know, on his way, starting to walk or like, I would know his favorite foods because he would be eating them. Like, it's just, it's wild. What life could have looked like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. When, when we're old, 80 years old, are we going to be like, oh, wow. Brody and Ryland would be this age, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the phases come in because a lot of mamas I talked to was back to school and their babies would have been five and they were like, oh, they'd be mm. back to school. And I'm the first day of kindergarten. And and then I'm like, oh my God, am I going to be looking around at all these infants that were supposed to be the same age as Brody? Like, oh, they're going off to college or they're not getting married. And like, my friends are being the mom and the mom and son dance. And it's like, yeah, so we are going to be here for each other through this whole thing. I know it. I I think that's why finding this community is super special because it just doesn't end after the first year doesn't end after the rainbow baby. It doesn't end. It's just our life now. Yeah. And it's what we want it to be. That's the thing. It's how we want it to go. It's what we want it to be. We can do our absolute best and to kind of be the parents that we want to be, whatever capacity that is. So, yeah. and not to feel guilt because parent guilt is a thing, even if they're alive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if someday you're like, oh shit, I didn't say his name today. Fine. If you said it routinely every single day, you'd be psycho if they were alive. So just calm down. Right. Even if they're dead. You're right. You're You're fine. You're doing your best. Yes. Mom guilt is real. And I mean, I can see it because I mean, I don't have a living child, but I can see it how it it is for both, you know? 
you're such a light, you're such a good walk between empathy and compassion, but also advocating and standing up for yourself and, and, you know, the grief and joy can coexist. I got to come up with another phrase, but that is a thing. And that is true. We have beaten that phrase to death, but it is, it's a great phrase, but it's just, you get it. You get it. But you're doing that great balancing act because you could cry and laugh in the same conversation and you're trying to help others, but you also know how to step back and help yourself. So that's, you're doing a really great job and, and, and not that we need accolades in this kind of life, but I think, I think there's something to be said for those who do try to live a good life. Right. Yes, they can. Um, I like to give props. So you're going to get hit up after this conversation, even more so than you already are. Are you cool with people? Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me um, at shop Rylan, R-Y-L-E-N James. Or I have my foodie account, Mimosas with Maria. You can message me, tell me about all your babies. I would love to meet you and hear about your babies. And I even do that on Shop Island James monthly. I put out a calendar. And if you have a hard day that month, I will be that person to reach out to you on that day because everyone else moves on with their life. And every day you have that constant reminder. Mm-hmm. Such an angel. I hope we can have Mimosas together someday. I would love that. And we're not yeah. far from each other. I know, <laughs> I know. It's like so far, yeah. but not. Oh, we need to right. get it together. Right. Yeah. Like we're You're both in a phase. Now. You're in a phase right now. And yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. am in a phase. Yeah. You're and you're, phase. you're in a phase too. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And we're not like ignoring people or you know, cutting off relationships with people. We are just kind of vibing with people right now that get us in our phase and we'll be out of it and we'll be out of it. And I'm here for you in that phase because I've done your phase before. And if, you know, I always be careful not to give too much, too much insight, but uh, I'm here for you in that phase, just like you will be for the next person that's in there trying to conceive phase. Yeah. Um, And we just pass torches all the time. So thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. And thank you for giving the space for us to talk about our babies. And I love talking about Rylan and Brody with you and Wolfie. And they're so proud. Your son is so proud of you. That's one thing. It may not feel like it all the time, but I like to picture them sitting in heaven, dangling their feet, eating cookies, pointing at us going, you know, look at our moms. Yes. I, I, I picture that too. I do. Yeah. Brody and Rylan are eating cookies right now. Looking down at both of us. Yep. High five. And yeah. Girl, yeah. you're the best. I will see you on the IG. We chat all the time. So yes. hit me up, whatever you need anything. Um, and this, I'm going to tag all of your information in the description so people can hit you up, show thank some you. love. You guys, her shop is adorable. Oh, um, I got it. I'm going to go shopping on there a little bit later. Cause I need to get some pieces for myself and update my stuff. Um, but you. yeah, all right, girl. I would love to do this again. This was so fun. And just like talking with any lost mom. I mean, I could t- like me and my friend, Aaron, we go out to like five hour lunches and we're like, I mean, <laughs> dude, that's the best. I do that too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Here in Atlanta, like, oh my God. Yeah. You just kind of carve out a chunk of your entire day to just go. Cause you're like, this is going to go forever. It's the exactly. best. Exactly, It is the best. It really did help my day. I was road raging earlier on the way. And I was like, I need to go talk to Maria. This is going to be oh, this make my day better. Yes. yes. Yeah. You did make my day better. <laughs> oh Thank girl. You. Love you. Love you. Keep doing love what you. you're doing. And we'll talk soon. Thank okay. You. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye That's all for this episode of the At A Total Loss Podcast. 
If you'd like to help other lost moms benefit from our stories, please share, rate, and comment wherever you are listening. Thank you for being the strong mama that you are. And remember, when things have you at a total loss, we're here to help you find the light in the darkness. Take care, lost moms.